Can We Conversate, a place where we discuss politics, pop culture, and pretty much anything that's on our mind. I'm Tamika. I'm Leah. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Bye. What's up, guys? And on this week's episode of Can We Conversate, we're going to continue on our Black History series. Um, if anybody listened to last week's episode on Langston Hughes, um, I kind of discussed um, our thoughts behind the Black History um, series. Talia wanted to do something special for Black History Month, um, so we decided to talk about some well-known but not maybe popular um, black history people, um, people that have contributed to um, not only black history but American history, which is black history black history is american history yeah that's what i'm trying to say um but anyway so this week we're continuing that um so this week we decided that we're going to discuss um the negro motorist um green book to leah say hello to the people hello 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 hey, hey. Okay. i'm sorry i watched the rihanna halftime show from this yeah i see you still caught up in the halftime show okay so let's get to it so the um negro motorist green book was a directory of places safe places for African-Americans to travel, I mean, to go to while they traveled across the, um, the country. Um, Talia, are you familiar with um, a telephone book? Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe. I've seen of it. I see it. It's like basically, isn't it like where like you see net company names and you see like the phone number? Yes, that's exactly okay. what a telephone book is. So the green book kind of puts you in the idea of um, a telephone book. Um, and it lists all the places that were safe for African-Americans to go. So the Green Book was published from 1936 to 1967. It was published by a gentleman by the name of Victor Hugo Green. Um, He was a Harlem postman. And he modeled the Green Book after a publication for Jewish people that it was very similar to a publication uh, for Jewish people. And what he wrote um, once um, about the Green Book, he said... With the introduction of the travel guide in 1936, it was, it has, it has been our idea, excuse me, to give the Negro traveler information that will keep him from running into difficulties, embarrassments, and to make him make his travels more enjoyable. So those listings in the Green Book consisted of um, gas stations, restaurants, lodging, and in later editions, it included. Barbershops, beauty parlors, drugstores, entertainment venues, um, golf courses, and other businesses um, that were safe and open to African Americans. Um, and it was a great resource um, for black owned businesses as well and aided in raising the black middle class um, because it made it easier for black owned businesses to um, advertise. Because during that era, the Jim Crow era, era African Americans can just you know call their go up to their local po- their local local newspaper and be like, hey, I want to buy an ad to, you know, talk about my restaurant, or talk about my dry cleaners, or talk about my um my tailor shop. They weren't able to do that, so this really benefited African American entrepreneurs because it gave them an opportunity to get their names out there and to draw in business um, that they otherwise wouldn't have access to. 
Um, and it also made it easier for black owned businesses and complemented the don't buy where we can't work movement in the 1930s. So the don't buy where we can't work movement was really a protest in various cities across the country against white store owners who operated businesses in black communities, but wouldn't hire African-Americans um, as workers. So they was like, well, if we can't work here, even though you're in our community, we're not going to patronize with you. We're not shopping here because you're in our neighborhood and we can't work for you. So we're not going to do that. So the Green Book really complemented that and helped African-American um, businesses during that time. And it also helped African-Americans avoid sundown towns. Um, so, Talia, do you have an idea what a sundown um, town may be? Um, maybe a town where there's like really, really... I don't want to sound harsh, but really racist white people. That's not harsh. That's the exact word that you should use. Very <laughs> racist towns. Um, primarily in the South, Alabama, Mississippi. You know, the juggernauts you think of when you think of Jim Crow. So basically, they were um, towns or counties, limits that you, the African Americans weren't allowed to be there at nightfall. You did not want to get caught at night. In those towns, I know of a couple places here in Alabama, in particular, that even now in 2023, we talk about that we don't want to get caught at nighttime passing through there. And they, African Americans, were subject to being arrested, all types of violence, and even worse, um, lynching in those towns. So the first edition that um, Mr. Green published was about 15 pages long, and it included just the. It was just for New York in particular. And what he did was he used his connections with the Black Postal Union members to get the listings in the original book. So what would happen was postmen and postwomen who were working throughout the New York area would send him listings of places that they discovered while they were on their mail route. And in later editions, he would get recommendation and listings from travelers who were traveling and stumbled upon a place that maybe wasn't in the book. And they would send those to him to help um, to help the book grow. So the later, by the time you got to the later editions, it covered the entire United States and even some countries overseas. And the last books was up to 99 pages. So Talia, what were some of the things that you discovered while you were doing your research for this topic? Um, eventually, Mr. Green sold up to 15,000 copies per year. So say, for example, they sold one a decade. So that would be 150,000 copies of the Green Book. And that's really that's really amazing. If Are you, you actually, sure about those numbers? Yes, I'm very, I'm very, very, very confident okay. with those numbers. Continue. The green, the green book listing were organized by the state and the city you were in. The green book listed establishment in segregation with Alabama and Mississippi, like <laughs> to any location where African Americans might face prejudice or endangered because of their skin color. After decades passed, the Green Book adopted a new tone and began to help in the civil rights move movement. After Green died, his wife continued releasing the Green Books. One of the things I thought was very interesting that his wife actually continued with his legacy because normally a lot of people wouldn't do, a lot of fema females wouldn't do that. Uh, I disagree, but go ahead. A lot of females wouldn't do that, at least the females I know 
wouldn't do that. Well, Talia, we're talking about teenagers. Well, not even teenagers. Kids in 2023. It's a lot of things that yeah they wouldn't do. Yeah. But continue. Yeah, and I feel like that was very kind of her just to re- relive his um legacy and keep on continuing um to sell his books. So something that you might not know, and what you're saying is true, it is admirable that she kept his legacy alive and kept the book going, but she was very instrumental with him in the beginnings of the book, helping him get the information together. Because mind you, he was still working full-time as a postman, and she was assisting him in getting those first editions of the book published. So um, it, it doesn't surprise me that she continued on with um, helping him get keep the kept keeping his legacy alive rather um i think i think the whole book in its part is amazing to me that um it kind of it kind of kills the notion or the thought that african americans didn't travel because if you read the history books or you listen to how some of our stories have been told it was just like this woe is me we were this woe is me set of people during the jim crow era that we didn't go anywhere, you know, we couldn't afford anything, we were poor, and we, you know, the boot of the white man was on our neck. And don't get me wrong, things were tough, and we had, our people had had it hard, but we did travel. There were places, safe places for us to go. It was places out west and up north that were safe for African Americans to travel, and those that could afford it traveled. They didn't just spend all their time at home. And I also find it amazing how, the opportunities that it opened for entrepreneurs. So let's just think about, um, it's this restaurant here in Birmingham. I'm not sure how old it is, but it's a restaurant called Nikki West. Um, it's a well-known soul food restaurant. Nikki's West couldn't advertise in New York city because it wouldn't make sense to advertise their restaurant here in Birmingham to a restaurant all the way in New York city. But the Green Book gave restaurants like that an opportunity to advertise in the Green Book that got to millions to thousands of people across the country who bought, who purchased the book, like you said, with your numbers over a decade. And someone from New York could have that book. I'm like, oh, so we're passing, we're going to Florida um, and we're passing through Alabama or we're coming from Ohio and we pass. I'm trying to think of a geological, I'm trying to think of a state that'll make you come through Alabama, Birmingham to get to Florida. So let's just say Ohio. It's possible you could come through Alabama. Kansas? Um, Kansas? Maybe. Maybe. Um, But let's just say, for this exercise, we're going to say Ohio. (laughs) So if you were coming from Ohio, headed to Florida, and you're like, oh, I'm going through Alabama, I'm going through the Birmingham area, let's go stop at this Nikki West restaurant and check it out. That person in Ohio would have no way of knowing about Nikki West restaurant. Without the green book. Without the green book. So it opened doors and opportunities and got entrepreneurs access and exposure in places that they never would have thought about being able to in the Jim Crow South or in the Jim Crow area. So I find that fascinating and I find it um, amazing. And also it shows the fortitude of African-Americans that we can turn a mess into something great with we can we turn things that seem situations that seem horrible and maybe that there's no way out and that people use to hold us down. And we found a way constantly to do something, to invent something, to come up with a way to overcome those things and still be able to live in dignity 
and do things that our white counterparts were able to do that they felt like they could hinder us and stop us from doing. So you got anything else for this episode, Luke? Um, not really. All right, guys. So that's it for this week's episode. Like I say, every week, hit us up on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're on Fanbase. And we have a YouTube page. So check out our YouTube page. Um, we're starting to add some videos right now. The couple videos on there are just kind of like our logo. But you're going to start being able to see mine and Talia face a little bit more. Um, we're working on some kinks, but we're headed that way. Hit us up on the... Um, like I said, on social media, um, our hashtags are um, can we conversate on all social media platforms. Tell us what you thought about this episode. If you got something that maybe we missed on about the Green Book, please let us know. And anything you share, any comments you have, we're going to shout you out on our social media pages, on the YouTube page. So until next time, can we conversate? Bye.